0: Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I just want to ask that you would speak through me today. and So, Lord, I genuinely want to offer myself to as an instrument of righteousness. I pray you would use me to speak and I pray for all those that are here that you would give them ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, that the things that you're wanting to highlight by your spirit, I pray they would be impressed in a remarkable way in people's lives, Lord God, that would bring encouragement, that would bring life, that would bring peace even when there's torment. Lord God, we thank you we can smile at the storm. Lord, we had a laugh about the song and some of the funny things about it. But Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that even if it's all going crazy around us, Lord, if you're with us, we can smile. And I just pray for your peace and your strength to be given to your people today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I wonder, is there any way that you can say that once you become a Christian, you're going to be one forever? I wonder how you feel about that. I wonder whether you feel you can, you can say that. I'm a Christian now, that's the way it's going to be forever. All of us, are shy, I'm sure I know people who have met people that seem to have been Christians at one point, uh, no longer following the Lord, or may have even converted to another religion. You hear of Christians converting to Islam, or Judaism and other things, you hear about it. Maybe you know people that once you would have considered soulmates, you would talk about the Lord together, you would pray together, and now they just don't seem interested in the Lord anymore or even so they do believe. So I wonder whether you can actually say, oh, once, you, once someone's a Christian, they're a Christian forever, what does the Bible have to say about these kinds of things? What does God have to say about it? Surely God's not going to be silent on it. Um, I don't think he is. We're going to look at some of these things today. We're going to look today at keeping the faith or being kept in the faith, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but I would ask you as we look at it to think and apply it more to yourself, more to the people that you know that may not be walking with the Lord at the moment. i tell you why, because it's impossible to know what goes on in the heart of someone else. You just don't know. It's impossible, to, it's, it's just impossible. The only thing you do know is what goes on in your own heart. And so as I say this, I'm not giving formulas or explanations for your particular friend or, or whatever because I just don't know the situation. But I'm saying apply this for yourself and see what you feel God's saying through it. This is the last chapter of 1 John and the final installment of our series. So end today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it's been provoking, encouraging. In terms of myself preparing the messages, it's been very, very, very challenging. <laughs> this whole thing on love. I don't know how you found it, but it's been like being taken apart every week. <laughs> and then you have just thrown on Jesus for mercy really and saying, um, God help me to get better at this because I just think it's been very sobering but hopefully, you know, encouraging. So let's read chapter 5, the last chapter in the book of 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. In this passage, there are some very hard to understand things. The spirit and the water and the water and the blood, these things things would be a whole morning. (laughs) Um, The sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death, that thing would be a whole morning. I've done some reading up on it. I feel like I could have a conversation with you and give you some clues to get you started. But I'm not going to preach on those things today because I feel like they would tie us into things that perhaps... um, we would not be able to treat in a way that you should do do because of the time constraints. So we're not going to do that. I'm going to focus from verse 18 onwards. So I'm just going to read those four verses again. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We're going to look at three keeps today. Okay? First keep, verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep sinning. One of John's classic bold statements. Have you noticed this about John? He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't kind of say, well, I don't want to generalise, but I've just got a feeling that he just says, everyone who does this, no one who does this. And he says, everyone who has been born of God, does not keep on sinning. What he's saying is this, if you are born of the Spirit, it is impossible to continue comfortably in a sinful direction. You can't, or you don't. He who is born of God genuinely does not do that. I guess you can't say in one sense that he can't. We still have the faculty to physically do so, but John says everyone who is born of God does not. Now he's not saying that Christians never sin, because what did he say a few chapters earlier? Chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So Christians enjoy forgiveness of sins but are still aware of their sin. Are you aware of your sin in some way or another? Anyone aware that maybe you're not exactly Christ-like yet? Anyone experienced that? Just me? A few of them. I just wondered. Um, just making sure, really. Um, we are aware of it, aren't we? And sometimes, I don't know about you, but you can find the awareness of it quite crushing. You can find it a bit devastating. I mean, I don't know about you, I think as I've worked through this and this whole thing of love and looking at the love of God and, and what he calls us to, I've found it, man, you just think, gosh, and suddenly you're aware of areas of lovelessness in your life and you think, pff, it can be crushing. It can feel a little bit like your spirit, your spirit man in that sense, it's like, like the ground floor and this floor upon floor of the flesh above it and you just feel the weight you know you think man this is hard I'm aware of some of the ways of thinking of some of my perspectives prejudices and none of them that I'm deliberately going for but you're aware of it so Christians are definitely aware of sin so that's not what John is saying here and some advice to you if you're feeling that way today you're just so aware you think man I'm not what I should be keep your eyes on Jesus that's how this thing works. It's not, not not by way of just making an excuse for yourself, but by way of saying at the end of the day, how do you know you're justified? Not because actually you're really good at loving, but because Jesus died for you, you know what I mean? <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, he accepted us when we were completely alienated on the grounds of Christ. He's always our grounds of acceptance. So we keep our eyes on I mean, even James, who wrote one of the harshest letters, you always find that blunt people love the book of James. You'll notice that. It's always their favourite book. It's mine. Says, oh, James, oh, James. And, you know, other people. We and oh, I love James. So I know what you're like. People that aren't blunt, just think, "Oh, well, I'll skip over James. We'll read you." Because he's just like But James says this: we all stumble in many ways. So James said, "You think, oh, thank goodness, James said that." <laughs> How about you? It's you. You know. Um, <laughs> Don't why Something going on out there. Um, James says we all stumble in many ways. And so we're aware of our sins. So what is John saying when well, he says everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning? He's saying that there's no way if you are born of God that you can comfortably just do your own thing anymore. There's no way you can comfortably live in sin. Why? Well the answer's in the sentence, you've been born of God. Now we've looked at this haven't we over these weeks. I want, you to, I want us to look at it again just for a few minutes. Why? Because I think it's majorly misunderstood. If I said to you, what if you're born again? Some people say, it means I've made a decision to follow Jesus. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't mean that. To be born again means that God has worked on you. It's nothing about what you've done. Now, I'm not saying that at some point you didn't make a decision to follow Jesus. Of course, that's all part of the mix. But to be born of God is something that God does to you. He operates on you. He takes out the heart of, and puts in a heart of, Okay, he makes you, he and, and he writes his laws on your heart. Whereas before they were written on tablets of stone, so they were external, so you, oh no, I shouldn't do that, but everything in me, you know, now it's written on your heart, so your desire to change, I want to live differently. It's a miracle of God. It, the, what does John say? The seed of God abides in you, so the very seed, the same Greek word, remember the sperm, it's that word that's used, it is in you, it's the very seed, the very life of God is in you, and it changes the direction, it changes the orientation of what you are. You used to be orientated that way, you would go in that direction. Now you go in this direction because you've been born of God. And it's not what you did, it's what He did. You must understand it. Because when you're feeling like the most unspiritual person on the planet, you ever have those days, and you're being tempted by this and you feeling the pressure of that, you think, you know what, actually, you are born of God, amen? amen? You can't just suddenly not be born of oh I'm not, no you, you still are. Because it's something that He did. It was His operation on you. And the Bible says that he has predestined you to be conformed to Christ's likeness. Okay? That means that all those that he has saved is utterly committed to bringing you into the likeness of Christ. Okay? So that is his commitment towards you. Outside of your commitment towards him, that is his towards you to make you like Christ. Are you clear on that? That's where he's taking you. That's where this thing is going. And, um... Um, it's, a, it's a like father like something. Then we looked at how sometimes you find yourself saying things and doing things, thinking, oh, it's just like my mum, or oh, it's just like my dad. You remember, we looked at it, didn't we? And you think, oh, I wish I could stop myself. And it seems that the older you get, the more you do it. And you think, oh, no. And what is that? It's the DNA coming through, okay, or things that you've picked up. Well, likewise, being born of God, it just comes out. Godliness, righteousness, it comes out because you're born of God. That's how it works. And so there's, a, there's an accidental element to it, if you like, even. Now, I'm not undermining other things to do with the Christian walk, but I'm just saying that is part of how it works. It's almost like you were a fish in a river that was flowing that way. Okay? So imagine yourself as a salmon for just a minute. Okay? Concentrate. <laughs> you, so you're you, you a fish in a river going that way. You've been taken out, and you've been put in a river flowing in the opposite direction. Which now means if you want to carry on going the way you used to go, it takes a lot of effort. Have you ever discovered that, as a born-again Christian, to sin takes a lot of effort to keep doing it. It might be all right, easy to do it once or twice, but you keep doing it. You are swimming against the tide of what you are. And you begin it's tiring. (laughs) It might be fun for a couple of weeks, but you know what? It gets tiring. You start waking up thinking, what the heck am I doing? Yeah? and you feel distant from God and you feel worn out and you begin to feel what's going on and then you begin to just feel a lack of clarity in the whole thing of God. What's going on there? You are so busy pushing against the tide of who you are now and what God is doing in you, you're getting yourself disorientated. Just go with the flow of what God is doing in you. Move with the flow of his spirit in you. Your deepest desire is not to sin now. If you're born again, your deepest desire is righteousness. That's how it works. So those who are born of God do not carry on, do not continue sinning. Not only this, but we've understood the cross. And the thing about it is this, once you understand the cross, you can't pretend you haven't. you ever noticed that? You can't say, oh, it's no big deal. Well, it's a massive deal. You know that the Son of God laid down his life for you. You know that the reason he was up there was not just some random thing or some mistake. You know it's because of you. You know it's because of your sin. You can't just go on sinning now and it just sort of brush it off because you know, you understand. You you the, the the you know, the blinds have been pulled up, the curtains have been opened, you've seen. You can't just say, No, it's no big deal now, it's a huge deal. Isn't it? So you've seen the cross. It's unthinkable to carry on sinning now. As it says in Hebrews, if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Praise God that everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. Yeah? <laughs> you might start thinking, well, this is feeling a bit heavy. What does it say in chapter 5, verse 3? The commands of God are not burdensome. It's not heavy. It's really simple actually. Praise God, there aren't hundreds of laws, are there? Mm. Prophet if you had, you obeyed God. You would have to give me a list of hundreds of laws. There are no rituals to go through. None of you have to sort of go in, you walked in there, uh, sleeves up, in the bowl, and wash there, do things face that way, do a sign there, none of that. Hallelujah. No dietary stipulations. Praise God, eat whatever you like. Toast, chocolate, bread, it's all there. You know, pork, fat, it's all you like. Alright, God still accepts you. Alright, it's all good. Uh, Okay, no special clothes you've got to wear, no robes, I've got to put this on now, I've got to never wear a white cloak, I'm going to church, there are churches like that, okay, because they've missed it, still living like they're in the old covenant, okay, that's all, that's not there anymore, not set days and times that you have to observe, And I forgot it's a fast day, I forgot it's a this day, it's a that day, no, all days are the same now, hallelujah, All right. There's no, do not handle, do not touch. All that will make you unclean. No, it won't. Uh, okay. No harsh physical treatment of the body to try and get yourself holy. Praise the Lord. All of these things have been fulfilled in Christ. Yes? It's very simple. What are we, how do you obey God? You trust yourself entirely to Christ and you love God and you love one another. Very simple. It's not a heavy thing. It's not burdensome. That's why Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Isn't that what the world is trying out for? Yeah. It is. The big, the big deal with yoga is that it offers peace. It offers that sense of, ah, oh, I found that stillness in the middle of urban life. That's the big deal with yoga. Jesus says, come to me, I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Not necessarily physical rest, but rest for your soul. So, to conclude, although the Christian life, if you're it victoriously, does involve fighting, definitely involves fighting against the flesh and temptation. I would say that the defeated Christian life, and by that I'm talking about compromising with sin, I'm talking about doubting God's faithfulness, I'm talking about throwing yourself into other lovers, spiritually speaking, just committing spiritual adultery, going after other things, that is a much greater battle because you end up with a sold conscience, your conscience troubles you daily, you end up with a torn heart, do I want this, do I want that, you end up with a troubled mind, and wounds and scars are the order of the day. And so I will say to you, it is an easier thing as a believer to follow the Lord than not to. Amen? So praise God, everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. Second, keep. But he who was born of God, that's Jesus, protects him or the worker be keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. This is my most favourite point of the whole message. So get ready for some excitement, alright? He who is born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God, Jesus, protects him or keeps him. Praise God. Listen to Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You can't be snatched. Did you know that? If you're in Jesus' hands, you cannot be snatched. You know, I said, well, what about this? I'm feeling the pressure here. You can't be snatched. The devil can't snatch you out. No circumstance can snatch you out. No difficulty can snatch you out. No temptation can snatch you out. You cannot be snatched out of Jesus' hands. He will keep you. Listen to Jesus praying for you just before he was crucified. He said to the Father, While I was with them, talking about people, I kept them in your name, which you've given to me. I've guarded them. Hallelujah. And not one of them has been lost. I've guarded them. I've kept them. Listen to Psalm 121. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Say, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Well that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is how you stand before God. This is it. He will keep you. He won't slumber and sleep. You might be thinking, doesn't God understand? You know, sometimes it feels like Jesus is asleep, like he was asleep in the boat during the storm, and they're thinking, ah, is what coming in, we're going to die. But you know, you, know, just, you know, just when to step in at the right minute. Don't panic. Don't just slip out and think, oh, I'm going to, you know, because what if? No, there's no what ifs. He who keeps Israel does not slumber and does not sleep. He is fully awake to your situation, fully awake to your life. Very, very interesting. Now, I want to say this. Our part is passive in this. It is down to his faithfulness to himself and his conviction of love towards you. That's what it is about. Sit in it. Charles Spurgeon said um, he said something like that and then he ended the sentence by saying but um, I use the sovereignty of God as an armchair to relax in. Okay? Sit in it. Relax in the sovereignty of God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 46. Be still. Rest. Rest in him. Rest in the, in the knowledge that he has kept you, He will keep you. He will not grow tired, and he won't grow tired of you. Hallelujah. Philippians 1:6 says that what he has started, he will complete until the day of Christ Jesus, Yes? Yeah? All the way he is going to keep you. Remember remember um, Cain when he murdered Abel, and then God comes to Cain and says, "Where's Abel? What does Cain say? "I don't know." And then he says, "Am I brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Hebrews 2.11 says this, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers. And I tell you what, Jesus is his brother's keeper. Amen? He will keep us. And the point here is this, the devil does not have free access to you. Do you know that? The devil doesn't have free access. He can't just come in as he pleases and mess around with your life and get a hold of you. He he can't. If you find yourself saying every day, I'm under attack again, the devil's got me again, just step back and ask yourself, actually, is this what is happening? Is it? Because what, we, what we're what told here is that the Son of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Now, it's a delicate thing that we've got to navigate carefully because obviously we do get attacked. But the word there for touch, it says the evil one does not touch him, it's a stronger word that actually means harm. The evil one will not harm him. Look at Job. The devil doesn't, doesn't just lay Job waste. He comes to God. What does God say? God says you can touch everything around him that do not harm the man. Okay? Everything gets harmed around him. Then the devil goes back because Job, Job still hasn't sinned and God says, okay, you can touch the man, but don't, don't kill him. So the devil never goes beyond the jurisdiction he's given. You look at the same with Peter. Um, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, um, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. So he has to ask permission to, to God, before God, I don't know how it works, can I sift him like wheat? God says, yes you can, because I know he'll survive and come back in strengthen strength his brothers he says I pray for you that when you return you'll strengthen your brothers yeah so there's this, there's this thing, the devil can't just come and go as he please. it's a bit like this if you're a footballer imagine you're a footballer for a minute some of you are easier than others maybe quite easy but uh self shape. and, and, and uh, you get transferred out of one club to another so what happens is this you're in this club and then you get transferred to this club now let me ask you a question what happens at the point of transfer here's what happens the coach of the old club and the board no longer have any authority over you, right? Yes. Correct? Why? Because the price has been paid, you've been transferred to another club. And so they no longer have access to you. They can't say, Oh, you went the training today. I so no, no, I know wasn't. I was in this club then. It's got money. Yeah? Oh, well, what about, you, you said, no, no, the contract's over, I've been bought out, I'm now here. It's exactly the same. The Bible says you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Yeah? You're in a different kingdom. You've been transferred. So the devil can't just call the shots anymore. They, oh, yes. you can, you will try and intimidate and shout. You say, no, I'm here now. Yeah? good in it. Praise God. You're members of God's household. Did you know that God is jealous? Do you know what the word for jealous is, the actual literal words, anyone know? Red. That's exactly what the word is. God is a red god. It's very vivid, isn't it? He's a red god. He's a volcano, a volcano of holy love. He's not going to let you just be snatched away or attacked or beaten down. He's not going to just sit by and let that happen. For goodness sake, you're part of his household. You're part of his family. Am I going to sit back and let one of my children just become attacked by things? Like, no way. God comes in. I'm going to be there and boots it into oblivion. What's going to happen it is all because when it comes to my kids I'm red you understand what I'm saying I'm red God's red about you this is good isn't it this is what God is like he's committed to you in blood red terms he's so jealous about you the Bible says he's thought about you more than the sand on the seashore he's thought about you don't think he's got vague ideas about you or he's just forgotten he is red hot about you let me just give you one more scripture before you move on to the final keep. Jude 24. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, the glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen? He's able to keep you from stumbling. It's not just that you've got good intentions, or you know, but see, some people sometimes say, yeah, but you don't understand. I know God's able, I know God wants to keep you from stumbling, but the pull of sin is too strong. I just can't help it. It's a fable. It's a fable. He is able to keep you from stumbling. He really is. Don't fall for the lie that your problems are just too big. Just too big. Your chemical makeup is just too cranky or whatever. Don't go there. Your background is just too broken. No, listen, I'm not despising any of those things, but he is able to keep you from stumbling. He really is. But the problem is if, you, if, you, if you're totally in unbelief of that, then odds are you'll stumble, not because he's not been able to keep it, because you because you've just thought he can't do it. Yes, he can do it. And He will. Which brings us on to the final theme, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So if he is born as God, does not keep on sinning, Jesus will keep you from the evil one. And little children, keep yourselves from idols. So we've seen his dynamism and our passivity. We're sitting there in the armchair of his favour, he's keeping us, but now it changes, there's a dynamic that comes in here, mysteriously linked, but there's a responsibility, keep yourself from everything that will threaten you'll walk with God. Keep yourself. You say, how does this work? Does he keep me 60% and I keep myself 40%? It's not like that. He keeps, you keep. That's how it works. Yeah? He keeps, he'll keep you. Now, keep yourself. It's a spiritual thing which you just need to kind of, um, in the spirit these things can be grasped, if we're open to it, to just walk in. Although we might not be able to put it down on paper, if you understand what I'm saying. But it's a spiritual truth, can't be understood naturally, but through revelation you can see, you think, no, I see this. He is keeping me. The whole time I'm holding on to him, I'm aware that his hand's under me. Yeah? So I'm, I'm keeping myself, I'm clinging to the Lord, but I'm just so aware that I'm being carried here. Yeah? I don't understand how it works, but that's what John is saying here, that's what we're being introduced to. He says, keep yourselves from the idols, is the Greek, from the idols. Well, what are the idols? Well, we know it's in false Christ, isn't it? People giving wrong ideas of Jesus. But I would say, it's, if it's anything that replaces God in your life is an idol. Yes. It's very simple, isn't it? Now, it can be bad things. It can be things that are clearly based on sin. You know what? It can be good things. In fact, I reckon for Christians that have been Christians for a while, good things are probably more liable to become idols. Because you've kind of probably learned how to really shut out the things that are really bad in and of themselves. You've done a bit of training in terms of godliness and terms of closing the door there, closing the door there, cutting the root there, so you feel like, okay, do you know what I mean? Now, I'm not always, but there's a sense of which, I'm not shot with them anymore. you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not beating people up Friday night anymore. That's not happening. Yeah? So you sort of, but, you know, but, but then you think, okay, but then you said, if those the are blessings, I don't even noticed. how many blessings are as a Christian. God brings good things along. But you know what? Those things can become idols. It just depends where they get it in your heart, what place they have in your heart. Let me just explain from Romans 1. It says this, Although they knew God, talking about the Gentiles, although they knew God, they didn't honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, listen to this word, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, reptiles. They exchanged, there it is again, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and listen, worshipped and served the creature or the creative rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Okay? So so any, anything that replaces God as places creator, anything that we begin to um, orbit around, okay, instead of orbiting around God, so that's the idea that the creator is the one at the centre and we orbit around him, all things around him. But if we replace that with something else that becomes the field of our vision, even, even good things like ministry or church, it can happen. So it becomes in the middle and you begin to orbit around that, you're into idolatry that's the bottom line this is God's testimony that humans have put a lot of effort into idolatry um, and some might say but you know this isn't natural surely it's just natural to kind of really have these things as number one the point is this is that what is natural to a fallen person is unnatural to God even though it's there so the fact that well, it's natural it doesn't actually... The, the point is, if, if God says that's wrong, even if it feels like the most natural thing in the world, it's destructive. Because God knows actually what is best for us. So we are to keep, we are to guard. That tells you that idols will attempt access into your life, into your heart. And um, let's look at Jude 21, just quickly, a quick verse here, which says this. Keep, because it is how to keep yourselves from idols, keep yourselves in the love of God. Yeah? Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. There it is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Now, this takes discipline. I'll be be square with you. This takes discipline. It takes effort. Discipline's not a very popular word, (laughs) but that's the reality of it. Sometimes, have you ever noticed when you try to pray and you give God 10 minutes and nothing really happens? You never noticed that? just me. Okay, so okay, we've got nine minutes, because, you know, that's happening, so. That's I'm going really intimately fellowship in here. You know, you you've been there. Uh, you think, what's the deal there? The deal is this. That's not really the way to relate to God. You see, if you were going to go to the Queen or something, uh, you don't say, okay. I'm just going to, be a, I'm going to be a few minutes here because I've already got to go. I've got trains to catch. You don't do that. She, she calls the shots, yeah? She calls the shots. She's late. No big deal. You wait. This is the queen. Yeah? You don't start ringing bells and say, oh come on, and no, just the queen. <laughs> right? So you say, I, I'm not going to, that's not going to be my... Fault. So, I, I would say it's in a very sober way. How much more? How much more you're drawing to God, uh, and He's always there when we join this and when we join this. He's always there. But in terms of making himself known in a way that is meaningful in our experience, sometimes takes a lot of time. You ever notice that? There have been times I've been praying, I'm 15 minutes in and I'm thinking, this is just a joke. I'm walking through a treacle. Yeah, you know, I'm just getting nowhere here. You know, I'm, I'm spending most of my time just thinking about nonsense and I'm trying to present to God. You think, what? You, know, you think, what's the point? And you think, I'll just carry on anyway. Blow it. I'm just going to keep pressing in. Five minutes later, you think, oh, I'm in heaven in a sense you just know the nearness of God not been caught up in some angelic vision but you just know that you just think wow oh, you know that wow oh, oh, that's good and it's just what is it you're just you're suddenly you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in a way that you experience but I'll tell you this it will do more for you a few minutes of the manifested presence of God will do more for you in your heart than I tell you anything years of anything else will and it just will and so I want to say to you that if you want to taste and see that the Lord is good, you, you can't spend your life snacking or just giving God doing a tip, but you can't do it. And now I know that's a challenge, believe me. I know it's a challenge. Um, Demands, <laughs> city life, blah, 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 blah. I, I know that. I think at the end of the day we probably have to decide to ourselves what are we about because we can't be about too many things. We just don't have the space. You ever notice that? Yeah, am I about the Lord, or am I? You know, because if you're about loads of stuff, you just you're juggling and spending all your time. You're going to be a stressed out, burnt out, unsatisfied Christian. You will. And you might not fall into terrible sin, but you won't be you won't be excited about the Lord, really, in a real. You won't. You know, you might go to the prayer meetings, but you'll be thinking, how on with done? We there go. Yes, that will be your, because you've, you've you've lost the art of just enjoying the presence of God in a meaningful way. I think it's a huge challenge. I think it's a huge challenge. Um, the longer you go on with the Lord, I think it's a huge huge challenge. So I would say Christmas is on its way. There are many things that try to steal our hearts. We're in a materialistic society. So the odds are you could get this present that just oh it just fills your games. <laughs> got it? I've got an Apple phone. What was called iPhone? God. And, uh, now, I find they're really brilliant. If you want to buy me one, that's fine. But, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's novel because it's new. Yeah? And you get too much into the novel, new, novel, new, novel, new. you need something, something else, something else. A few weeks down the line, a few months, you'll be thinking, oh man, what was that about? You know, you need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. You're going to have much less structure over Christmas, much more free time. I want to ask you, please center yourself on your beautiful saviour. Please. Read something devotional that really grips you. If it's Philip Yancey, what a right. Get some of this stuff. What's so amazing about grace? What a great book. Or right, A.W. Tozer. Find out who the who the artists are in the Christian literary world, those who knew the Lord and can really draw you in. Just go for it. You say, I said I'm feel guilty that I to read my Bible first. Well, just don't... Um, you, you'll get to your Bible, okay? Re- read a Christian book, chapter that, it really gets you going, okay? And then get into your Bible. But just. Yeah, no, you work, but get into the Lord. I'm saying the same thing again and again, I know. <laughs> it's so important. It's just so important. Um, draw close to Him. Keep yourself from idols. He will keep you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, then we're gonna praise. Join the-